Now it's time for Inspirational Women. And my guest, Renee Sherwinski, a licensed mental health counselor with Pacific Medical Centers here in our Puget Sound. With October being an awareness month to focus on suicide prevention and support of persons and families, Renee is here to offer some insights and resources so that none of us feels alone and isolated, which we'll learn is a problem. So let's meet Renee and learn. Renee Sherwinski, good morning. Thank you for being with us once again. I really appreciate your being here, your expertise, and uh, all your interest in mental health and mental health awareness. Good morning, Kate. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. You're so welcome. So we are here at the beginning of October, which is uh, a big focus on suicide awareness, suicide prevention. And boy, I can't believe just how serious and how terrible this situation with suicide is just across the country, but certainly here in our Puget Sound area in Washington State. Absolutely. Actually, Washington State has the seventh highest percentage of adults who report suicidal thoughts. And when you first realized that, was that shocking to you? It actually was. Um, I thought, you know, on average, when you look at big cities and that they have larger percentages, um, but Washington um, population in different counties, so King County's suicide rate is 12.84 out of every 100,000, which Washington's actual rate is 15.78, which is higher than a number of other um, counties in that. And Seattle, Tacoma is actually even just a little bit higher. So different areas, um, really the rates have gone up pretty drastically in the last decade. Would you say that uh, this has gotten worse because of the pandemic, or have we been dealing with this for t- for some time and just have not had a, a, a good enough focus on it? I think we've been dealing with it for some time. I do think the pandemic and the sense of isolation and withdrawal from normal societal um, interactions and connections in that did increase suicidal thoughts. Um, and those individuals that had really seriously contemplated it. So it seems we really are are coming to some grips with it, I guess, because the Seattle Times started this series, uh, a focus on mental health, mental illness, and specifically even looking at suicide. So that implies that... W- there's a realization we have a, a serious problem here, even if it were just a, at smaller numbers, I think, than do exist. But finally, is this going to help us to come to a, a, a better place with it? I definitely hope so. I think the pandemic did bring to light um, the need for mental health services um, at an increased rate, and more people opened up to seeking help in different ways from in, you know, in person to virtual sessions, which I think really helps individuals who feel like they are really stuck where they're at. Um, and I think bringing that to light and having more people openly talk about the signs and symptoms um, and risks associated with suicide and what to watch for um, is going to make it a lot easier for people to feel accepted to get help. So we know that there's this 
great need for help. And yet, it I think people who are just in the depths of depression or, or this despair might not really feel like they have the ability or know where to, to seek help. Absolutely. And there are a number of different ways. Um, King County and a number of other counties all have a, a crisis line that can be called, um, and that is um, 800-576-7764. There's a National Suicide Prevention Hotline, um, which is an 800-273-8255. And those are just hotlines to be able to call. Um, Pacific Medical Centers in and of itself, actually, we um, partner with our primary care providers um, to actually have them do depression screenings, and it will flag if something comes up, and they will let us know so that we can talk to somebody, which I think is really helpful. it kind of brings everybody into a different position. They don't have to seek mental health care if they're just going for a regular checkup and questions are being asked appropriately. And this does seem like such a great model of of health care to make it so much more uh, holistic to really find all aspects of a person because a depression uh, and thoughts of suicide could potentially, and certainly correct me if I'm wrong here, could be connected to something that's going on physically uh, with the health of a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You know, a major risk factor is kind of chronic disease or disability or chronic pain at times. Um, And those things can lead somebody to feeling really depressed and um, considering suicide as an alternative to ending kind of those things. And I think that is something that a primary care provider will definitely hear about uh, before a mental health provider when somebody starts to feel like there's nothing that's going to make it better. Exactly. And that helps to put um, a, a good context uh, on this, on, on a spectrum of what might be the underlying causes of suicide. When, when you mention having chronic pain, I, I could appreciate that that would could affect very deeply uh, a person's mental health. Absolutely, because you have to figure if you're in pain, chronic, you know, like that, it's going to affect your work, it's going to affect your socialization, um, it's going to affect activities that you can do, which then means you are probably um, withdrawing from friends and family, isolating more, um, and then that's going to lead to possibly a decrease in mood where somebody's going to be more down and sad. Um, and maybe even an increase then in alcohol or other substances to kind of numb some of those pains. And all of those are really warning signs um, for depression and suicidal um, ideations. So if we are in um, a family unit or of, of who knows what kind of appearance, but if we're together with a group of people, it's good to know what those warning signs are. Absolutely. And I always think, you know, we can see the ones that pretty much get listed. If anybody were like to look them up on Google or whatever, there's like general ones that always come up. Um, But major risk factors are kind of a prior suicide attempt, actually. Um, So we talk, you know, just drugs and alcohol and misuse or abuse of them. Um, Major depressions and other mood disorders can cause somebody to be more apt to having um, suicidal thoughts. 
access to any lethal means, um, knowing someone who's recently died by suicide, especially a family member, um, and then kind of, like you said, the isolation, um, sometimes lack of access to behavioral health care. I know that um, access to behavioral health care is difficult, especially during the pandemic with wait lists I hear from people and trying to get in. Um, but I remind them that the other lines that are available to make sure they use those crisis lines and things. Um, and then the other kind of warning signs are changes in behaviors, like a really drastic change in behavior. Um, hearing somebody talk about um, being a burden to others or feeling trapped, having no reason to live. Um, and then, like we said, if you notice them like suddenly isolating from everybody or calling everybody up or nowadays texting somebody or posting a message somewhere saying goodbye or giving things away, these are the ones that really show somebody's um, thinking in that direction. And then people have, you know, one thing that is surprising to most individuals is that there's a sudden relief or an improvement in someone's behavior that has been really down. Um, and everyone tends to believe at that point, oh, things are getting better. And sometimes that's when somebody's already made the decision, so they're not depressed anymore. I think it's important to ask somebody directly some of these questions, like how are, not just how are you feeling, you know, are you thinking of harming yourself? Are you thinking of killing yourself? And someone's like, well, will they answer? I'm like, most individuals will tell you they've had thoughts of it or what they're thinking. And I think we've perhaps felt that, oh, this is a, a taboo topic, so we don't want to bring that up. That might even put an idea in someone's head. But I think seeing what the statistics are, we should just totally toss that out the door and really be willing to have these conversations, even when we're feeling like pretty normal or pretty good, so that there's a sense of uh, knowing that we can have good discussions. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, mental health is something that still creates the stigma and a, and a taboo. Um, and it's much easier to talk about if it's just open discussions, even around times where somebody's not really struggling. So just asking somebody, you know, how are you feeling? You know, are you stressed? Um, are you, you know, sad? Are you having kind of any negative thoughts that are bothering you that you want to talk about? And kind of opens it up to then leading to some deeper discussions. So having these hotline numbers available is is really great because that is definitely a resource that's right there. We can access it in the moment, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And they're 24 hours, so I think that is really great. Um, there's even a, a teen link number, um, which is actually um, 866-833-6546. And they even offer texting for teenagers um, and chat and chat online if they go to uh, teenlink.com. So they can talk to individuals that are specifically trained like, with teenagers to kind of have these discussions for their group, which I think is really important because 20% of 10th graders um, in Washington have reported seriously considering suicide. And I think the statistics are there that uh, sadly, uh, tragically, suicide uh accomplished, if you will, it has it has risen here in Washington State. 
it actually has increased pretty drastically over the last few years. So these numbers are really important because, quite honestly, with what I read in the Seattle Times article about uh, where Washington State stands in terms of health care available, and I, I feel Pacific Medical Centers really has a good model where you have this kind of more integrated approach. But in general, the mental health help is just very, very uh, minimal or just so lacking. It is. It's not in the same fashion as, as primary care and other things still. Um, I think it is definitely much more readily available today than it was even five years ago. Um, and actually, even since the pandemic, with all the um, virtual abilities to kind of reach out to people and, and talk to them that way. I find that that is really helpful. Um, and even at Pacific Medical Center, we can see individuals in person or virtually if they need, you know, need to be seen that way. Um, and I think that makes it easier to know that they can be much farther away, but still talk to somebody kind of in, in a relative local area to, so they know what's going on. And I think that can be really helpful. And I think that really uh, brings up the idea of living outside of major areas where you think that you're going to find the more of the support and the health care, which is true. But in outlying areas, having the virtual uh, connections really is a, a big step forward. I think it's I think it's awesome. I mean, just the ability to reach out to somebody if I'm located in Kirkland and I'm talking to somebody up. Um, in Bellingham or who's out of school in central Washington, you know, they don't have to change therapists. We can still talk and it makes them feel much better to know that they have a personal connection to somebody. Exactly. So that is perhaps uh, one benefit that has come out of the pandemic is having the ability for more virtual connections with medical help and support. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was, was thinking years ago, like eventually it was going to come to that and the pandemic brought it really quickly around to everybody and opened it up greatly. And um, I have seen all ages use it. And I think that that's fantastic. I think, you know, even when someone's like, well, can the elderly do kind of a virtual session if they're really depressed? I'm like, once we get somebody rolling and explain to them how to do it, I'm like, I have had them have excellent success. I've had, you know, younger kids do really well on it. Um, it's just a matter of engaging and people knowing they can be at home and feel safe to have difficult discussions in the safety of their environment. Yes. And the ease that it gives for people who have transportation issues, even within the city, thinking of some some of the seniors who, you know, may not feel safe going out for various reasons, but also that transportation isn't that readily available. So this really uh, eliminates so many hurdles. It does. It does. And I think that that's a great thing. Um, they can be in the comfort of whatever surroundings that they are in. So we've mentioned the really good hotlines in terms of suicide prevention. In mentioning Pacific Medical Centers, let's mention a number of someone has not reached out to PacMed to know how to reach you and, and see how they might avail themselves of your services? 
So they can reach out um, to, to Pacific Medical Center. They can look us up online at um, pacmed.org and get our information um, on their NL show behavioral health, um, and they can set up appointments that way. They can talk to any other primary care providers at Pacific Medical Centers that they are with or specialists and ask for a referral to um, behavioral health, and a intake um, individual will give them a call and set up their appointments. Great. So there's another very uh, important resource. So here, Absolutely. So here in the month of October, with the awareness really focused on suicide prevention, uh, one of the major events, if you will, that has started, I don't even know, it's been some some years, maybe even t- up to 20, that we've had the out-of-the-darkness events to really uh, pay uh just respect to those whose lives have been lost and to also educate and bring awareness, right? Absolutely. The Out of the Darkness Walk, um, I believe it is about 20 years um, it's been happening, and it is for anybody who's affected by suicide. It can be a family member if you know somebody, um, a survivor. The, the groups that are there are pretty amazing Um and the event this year for Out of the Darkness is actually October 17th um, at 10.30. And it is not a walk this year, but it is a drive-through event. And the location is still kind of pending. But if they go to outofthedarkness.org and look it up, it will show up um, with the information as they're putting it all together. Um, I think it's a great way to connect with individuals who have been affected Um by suicide and know that you're not alone. And I would say even the first time that I went, just the sense of connection and openness um, with individuals from all walks of life was fantastic. And maybe that's what is needed too, is to really see each other and and realize how there's, um, you know, we're all so connected in this way that there's not a single type that you would say, oh, this person would be the kind, the one to commit suicide. It crosses all kinds of age and gender and uh, racial lines. So we find that we are so connected. Absolutely. And I think just that sense of connection um, to look around and to see you're not alone is so empowering for somebody. Um, and to see that we may feel like nobody cares or pays attention. Um, and to be in an event like that, you realize that that's a feeling that you have. It's not a true reality. Um, and it helps so much. So Out of the Darkness is here to uh, provide that opportunity to to see each other, to be together and to educate, I mean, the, part of this is also a fundraiser, and that is to support the work of the organization, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's to fight suicide. It's to offer, um, give resources to individuals and make connections for them. Um, and, and it gives a lot of things that are um, from places that you can connect individually to um resources that you can utilize from your home to um, pictures of individuals and stories and um, 
helping advocate for policies and um, funding research and getting education out. It, it does so much. That advocacy piece is certainly a very critical one because it's needed to to bring to light the the real challenges that exist, but also to affect policies. And I don't even, I can't even pretend to know what those are, but it seems that there's a great need for something to be done. There is a great need. Um, mental health funding, typically over the last 25 years or so, um, has decreased drastically in a lot of ways. And so the fundraising that's done through things like Out of the Darkness, and that really helps um, advocate for getting into having some of these policies changed, getting more funding for programs, um, letting agencies and communities recognize that the need is present and that we need to fill it so that individuals um, don't suffer. Yes. And the thing is, what I have felt through the pandemic prior to the pandemic as well is how this is really about how we are all so connected. It's, you know, we we see so much about division, but really if we get beyond the surface, if we could just see how we're connected and something like suicide, which is so tragic, really affects each and every single one of us, not in, in some way. It's not necessarily our family member, but that person whose life was lost impacts me. Isn't that an important uh, awareness? It is an important awareness is that most people, if you ask them if they know somebody, they may tend to say no. But if you kind of expand that a little bit, they're aware of somebody and that they've heard about, even if it's a celebrity in some way. Um, and they hear about it and they hear about the depression and it affects them to that understanding of, wait a minute, I've maybe seen some of these signs in somebody else I know and I need to pay attention. And um, it makes us realize how how much everybody does need everybody. Yes. And, and that's, that is something that we really need to take so much to heart and in, in so many ways, and really here where suicide just feels like its own special category because it's so tragic because it doesn't, it feels like it doesn't have to happen. I think it doesn't, but I understand that a person gets to such a, a, a very low and, and isolated space that that seems like the only solution, right? Absolutely, it does. And I think the difficulty is... Most of the time when I um, am working with individuals, what you hear is it's not that they want to die. It's that they don't want to feel what they're feeling anymore, and they feel that is the only way that they can escape it. Mm. Um, And so it's really working with them to do whatever we can to have them and their family and friends and any connections they have recognize that there are other things that can be helpful um, and that that's not the only answer. That's kind of like a permanent solution to something that may feel temporary. Right, exactly. And our stressors change. You know, what feels so overwhelming today or even for like this this last 18 months with the pandemic. Um, it sounds wrong to say, but a couple of years from now, not everybody's going to remember what they actually felt during all that time and that stress. I felt at that time it was so overwhelming. Yes, 
Exactly. And so to to have that awareness too, and to just have that uh, sensitivity and patience to help someone along if they will, uh, and, and maybe if they don't want to accept the help, it's just a matter of, of having some, I will say, gentle persistence. Gentle persistence, sometimes not so gentle. Mm, okay. um, and I hear from individuals sometimes, like, I don't want to tell on somebody because they're going to get angry with me. Um, and one of the discussions I, I typically have in those situations with families is to remind them, I would rather have them be angry with you and be here than nobody say anything or do anything to get them help. And then they're not here and we feel like, oh, did I, you know, I, I knew something was going on. Um, and I remind everybody, we can't always know either. So it's not to say, like, everybody that says something, we need to, like, open up and say something. Um, but it is to say, confronting it, you know, like we said, even in a gentle way, are you feeling okay? You know, um, and I even think when I ask in, let's say, somebody who comes in for a first session and intake, and I ask them, have you ever had any suicidal thoughts or behaviors? Um, most individuals are like, well, what exactly do you mean? I'm like, well, I'm like, you can feel like you're in traffic and you're like, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm feeling really down. And maybe if I crash my car or run out into the street, and I'm like, that's a suicidal thought. You really want to harm yourself. What's going on? Let's talk about it. Um, and it may sound like it's just something that's uh, it's no big deal. Um, but it's something that we have to address. I'm like, all right, let's dissect that a little bit further. What, what's happening? Right. So there's that piece of really opening up to have, to someone, to have a conversation, to really explore these thoughts and, and find where the help is and, and the, the pathway out. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's even knowing, you know, most of the time we think that younger kids won't feel it, Um if younger kids say things, it's actually even addressing it with them because they don't understand the significance of that. So and even a seven or eight year old that makes a comment, it's something to check in with. Um, and I'm enjoying some of these new commercials that I've seen over the last year of how do you talk to your friend about mental health and all that? And it looks really uncomfortable. Um, and I'm like, we talk about so many other things. So I'm like, literally just ask somebody, hey, I see you're feeling down. What's going on? Anything you want to talk about? And if they say no to you, is there anybody that you can talk to or that you do so you feel okay? Right. Sometimes they don't want to talk to me, but they want to talk to someone else. Right. So to be sensitive and, well, be bold in this case. Be bold. Right. To save a life. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's better to have somebody be like, no, I've never, I, I don't think that at all, rather than not asking the question. Yes. And not knowing. And they might Mm -hmm. be irritated, but that's okay. That'll pass. But in the other scenario, it might save their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's what we want. And that's what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So let's take a moment then and mention these suicide prevention helplines once again. So King County, Pierce County, and a number of the other counties, um, their crisis line is 800-576-7764. Snohomish crisis line 
is 800-584-3578. The team link line is 866-833-6546. Then, of course, there's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, um, which is an 800-273-8255. Great all important numbers and because this will be a podcast the people can refer back to them once again uh, whenever is convenient i so Absolutely. appreciate oh, yes so i appreciate renee Sherwinsky, your expertise your information and taking time with us this morning to really bring focus on this very serious and important topic of suicide prevention thank you so greatly Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Renee Sherwinsky and Sunday Morning Magazine with Brendan Kylie. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of realizing our connection to one another, that each one of us affects each other. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.